All right, another episode here of the Model Parenting Podcast. I think we're up to episode seven. Does that sound right? Seven. Seven, all right. Um, This episode uh, we've titled Kids Don't Go in Boxes. Um, And this episode we're going to focus on something that we got wrong, that we didn't do very well early on with our children, even though we were living in a model-driven environment. We didn't do this very well initially with, with one of our kids. So um, the idea that we want to, to kind of start off with is you hear the phrase and a lot of people say the phrase, um, well, we got to think outside the box. And that's one of the phrases that kind of drives me nuts. I don't like it. Farah, I think, doesn't like that. I don't like it. it no, I don't care. But I think it's funny that it drives you nuts. It does. Um, <laughs> because the only people who say that phrase are people who are inside of the box. And my mental perspective, just so you can get a picture of kind of who I am, um, there is no box. There are no limits. There are no definitions. There are no constraints that keep us from doing what we are supposed to do or want to do. There's always a way. Everything is possible. And I strongly agree with all of that because I think that we're trying to put too many labels on everything. Right. So um, the idea that kids don't go in boxes, I, I think a lot of times as parents, we start to um, speak things over and label our kids as to who they are and the identities that they have. Um, we'll, we'll say, oh, he's just like me or she's just like me or, yeah, my mom is getting a re- revenge for all that. So I'm they're acting like I did. And and so we, we start to draw conclusions about our kids, mostly because of assumptions and things that that we have from our past. And um, a lot of it are, is also um, things that we want them to be. We're, we're trying to shape that and speak that over them and, and say, well, they're, they're a compliant child or they're a leader or they're, a, you know, and, and we start labeling all these things and we, we try to put our kids in a box and say this is who they are and the, the struggle we have with that and Farrah can talk some about this um, developmentally when kids are younger that they're really kind of nothing they're just mush they're everything and they're nothing all at the same time it's it's not like they can be defined as these certain things is that accurate yes I mean there's a degree to which they are hardwired, but for the most part, they don't have any experiences to to do anything with, and and yeah, right. So they don't, and and that development, that creativity continues through like twenty five, age twenty five, like, and people don't think of that brain taking that long to develop, but it does. Right. So, and that's that's the the thing that that I think. We got it wrong initially. We're speaking from past experience of us doing it incorrectly. You're hopefully going to learn some things from what we didn't do well um, so that you can do it better or more efficiently with your kids. Um, so the the idea being that kids grow and change at various rates. So we have three kids all three of them have done whatever milestones you have set for a kid, whether that's walking or reading or going to the bathroom, whatever those things are, they have all done them at different stages. There's not a, all right, at two years and three months and six days, 
my kid's going to do this. Um, and it's very similar to the, the goldfish principle. Your kids, the sooner you start putting them in boxes, the less they will grow. Yes. So if you don't understand the goldfish principle, if you take a goldfish and you put it in a small bowl, it's going to be a small goldfish. If you put it in a bigger area as it grows, if you give it more room to grow, the goldfish will, will grow. So if you start labeling your kid and putting them in this box early on in there and say what they are and who they are and what they're going to act like without doing the work and doing the research, I think you're going to stunt their growth. And by growth, like emotional growth, emotional intelligence, um, those kind of things. So this episode is really geared towards helping you understand some of the tools that we used to start to get it right after we had gotten it wrong. Um, so how we got it wrong, one of our kids, um, we were talking and, and I had said for a long time that this kid was, was outgoing and they were gregarious and they were like me and they were um, mostly just because they were loud. It, it didn't have anything to do with necessarily how they were interacting with people as much as they were just loud. And so I started to assign and we were, we were talking about it one day and that kid said, uh, no, I'm an introvert. And I'm like, what? Corwin thinks that's really hilarious when I do that, by the way. She, she, that was one of the things she was, was laughing things about, about and super chatty day. about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She tried to imitate it, but. It didn't work out so good. <laughs> no, it didn't work out. But she does think it's hilarious right. when you do that. So, but when, when that kid said, hey, I'm an introvert, it, like, it, it woke me up to, wait a minute, I got this wrong. For a minute, because I like to be right, I tried to convince him, no, you are an extrovert, and here's why. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm totally an introvert, and here's why. And um, it was a it was a red flag to me on, I need to do some things differently with my kids. I need to study them and pay attention to them and not label them and put them in this box and let them grow into who God created them to be rather than me try to fit them into some mold that I think they are because if, if you don't know me, I get things wrong. I don't, I know that's shocking to some of you who do know me, um, but I, I have gotten things wrong and, and we got that wrong with this kid. And um, it was a huge wake up call for us and, and they were young. I mean, well, but here's the thing. This child was very young when he used that word. Mm-hmm. And part of him using that word was me trying to to help the kids in like those sibling camps and that kind of stuff, trying to help them see how they were created and asking them different questions. And a couple of those questions pointed to him being an, an introvert, which I was shocked because I would, I was, I was in agreement, but at the same time there were things about him that didn't fit into extrovert. Right. And so it was puzzling. All right. So anyway, uh, we're, we're hopefully going to help you move through some of that. And as Farrah and I were talking, getting ready for this episode, um, Farrah is very passionate about this topic. And, and what we're really talking about is studying your kids. And Farrah is extremely passionate about it. And as we were getting ready for it, she's just kind of, oh, well, this is why. And, and I was really kind of driving her to find the story, the why. And, and we talk about in several situations the why behind the what. Um, the what is the setting of the kids, and that's important. But the why was more significant because uh, I don't know who's listening, and, and a lot of you guys have started to share this with some other people. So if you don't know Farah, she is a um, – I'm just going to – she's a creepy person. 
Okay. But she's she pulls it off like she's really good at it. Um because I own it. She owns it. She's very creepy and she just knows a lot of things about people that you wouldn't normally know, but it's because she studies people and cares about them. And this is something she's very passionate about, not just with our children, but with people. That is a it's a attribute of hers that she loves to know people and study them and know them really well. So I was trying to drive down with her, okay, where does this come from? Um, and I think she's going to be able to share that story, but there's some emotion as that came out as to, to where she feels like maybe some of this came from. But um, just understand that um, a lot of who she is has been developed through her being a kid and growing and some of that stuff. And um, so if you can share some of that story okay. with us. So... As an only child of divorce, who also lived with aging grandparents, I was often flying solo as the kid in the room. I was in the room with three to four adults on a regular basis. And I would just be quiet and playing. And it wasn't like I, you know, when you have two or three kids and you're like, y'all go off and play and the adults are going to talk or whatever. And so then the kids are distracted with each other. There's an element of protection that comes from that because when I was solo, the adults would start to talk and they would they would talk about adult things. And so I would get exposed to things not because they, you know, meant to, but um, but just out of I was quiet (laughs) and I wasn't I wasn't trying to be I was just trying not to bother. I was I was trying to keep from you know from interrupting or or being a bother so um my dad would would need to drop me off sometimes to places and my mom would need to drop me off sometimes to places and I remember this particular couple um dad dropped me off in California with them I don't remember their names but I remember their house um they had a really cool house and they, you know, were talking and stuff, and I was playing, and Dad was off playing golf, and um, and they just went on about their day. And when Dad came to pick me up, they said, I can't believe how quiet she is. We forgot she was here. Like, she, because he was asking, you know, was she a bother? Did she, you know, is there anything I need to correct or whatever? And then um, there was also a lady that I had stayed with um you know, with mom wouldn't, you know, would need to take grandmother to the doctor or whatever. And, and the same thing, like she's never a bother. She's so quiet. We forget that she's there. And people would say that when they came, you know, to visit my grandmother or whatever, but my grandmother was so in tune with her childlike perspective. She just, she honed that and kept that even though she was in her eighties. And she would say, we can't talk about that right now. You know, like we're not, that's just not something we're going to talk about. She would just cut them off. <laughs> like, um, but that compliment of people, and it, it was a compliment. They meant it well, um, began to be twisted, I think, by the enemy um, into me taking it more into my identity. And the the thing that I believed was that I was invisible. Um and so I, you know, I took that into to school and and into friendships and relationships. And there were often times that I did not speak to people because I didn't think that 
my saying hi to them would really matter. Now, as an adult, looking back, I realize I could have said hi to people um, that probably needed, you know, a good hi here and there. But I really did think that I was invisible and that there was no worth to that. Um, So in doing that, as I got into graduate school and began to understand all the different parts of people from development to birth order to, you know, temperament to their external influences, collective trauma. I mean, as I began to understand all the ways that um, people were shaped and designed and built by God and then by their environment, um, it just, it was super interesting to me and it drew me in. And so, yes, I have creepy notebooks on um, David and the kids that I keep um, and I refer to them like when when the kids and I are in a conflict I'll look back at my little notebook and see okay this is this is where he's coming from this is what he's thinking this is the place where his brain is Um, this is not personal at me this is just him trying to flesh this out or her trying to figure this out Um, and um, but a lot of your I guess, reaction to being invisible because the the first place that I really started to notice it was when we were working with teenagers. Um, Farrah did a lot to to seek out the invisible and let them feel seen and let them feel known. And she would come back and she'd show up the next week with their favorite drink. Or um, when she took them to the grocery store with her, she would point out, things that she knew they liked because she had done that creepy research and <laughs> talked to him and asked him all those questions. Um, and the kids just felt seen and known. And it was, it was a big part of our ministry when we were in Seattle that, that these kids knew someone cared because they had done the research on them and had started to, to, no, they didn't know Farrah was keeping a creepy notebook. Well, I wasn't keeping a creepy notebook on them. I have a creepy notebook on the, on my kids. Right, but we, <laughs> we kept creepy notebooks and creepy files on the people that were in our ministry and the, the volunteers and all that stuff. And Farrah kept up with all that because she wanted people to feel known. Um, and when we say creepy, it was like their birthday, and right. it was their favorite snack, and right. it was a their joke favorite on the sweet part. thing. And it was, yeah, right. it was not. It, it's not creepy like what their address is and, and pants right. size and things. <laughs> It's not that creepy. It's not that kind of creepy. It's not that kind of creepy. Um, but sweet creepy. <laughs> it's very sweet creepy. She's very sweet with it. Um, but it, it's a, a big thing in the, the heart behind this, feeling invisible and spending a lot of her childhood, teenage, and even college years feeling invisible and has driven her to this point of not – she doesn't want people to feel invisible. And I would say – your your parents that, that wasn't intentional. The people no. that you stayed with it wasn't intentional. No, they they meant it as a compliment <clears throat> like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of our our kids, and I'm going to put our kids in that group too. That there are moments where they feel invisible just because we're not studying and taking an interest and in asking questions and. And I think one of the things that we can study is what are compliments that people constantly repeat about that child, and how do they receive it. Hmm. Do they take it as a compliment or is that something that they're like, hey, I don't like that about myself or, hey, that's not who I am at all. Um, so as we get into this and, and the bulk of this episode, Fair is going to talk about ways to study your kids and things about or different 
different areas to study. There, we, we can't get into all the, the ins and outs of how to do this and, and what to do. Um, but Fair uses the phrase, and she may use it somewhere in her notes here, that you're getting a Ph.D. in your kid. Yes. You're getting a doctorate in your kid, understanding um, their likes and dislikes and, and learning about them just to be interested in them as a person. Um, and we try to do this even with our friends, our kids' friends. Um, we like to know about them and know what's going on and ask them questions all the time and stupid questions. And they're all like, that's weird. It is kind of weird. We just ask crazy questions and just try to understand how the kids are. I think that's one of the things that attracted me to David because I loved this whole studying people. And I didn't obviously know that how it was how it was driving me. But he's an excellent question asker. So I can just sit back and be quiet and he asks all the questions, and I put it in the creepy notebook. All right. Now, most of my <laughs> questions are driven. I like to see how people think. Um, so I don't study the same things that Farah studies. Now, we didn't study the same thing in college. I, I was a, a physics, a practical physics-based type construction major, and she was a very people-oriented, um, thinking about how people operated and functioned major. But – in that activity for today, I use a building. So I think that's interesting. Well, there you go. <laughs> Super fun. But just if you and your spouse or if you're a single parent, if you're only studying from your perspective, that's okay. I don't study people the way Farrah does. She doesn't have to study people the way I do. But we can gain a clearer picture and a, a model of our kids. Um, and what's really fun is watching our kids emulate that behavior in their relationships with other people. Um, Dax and Cole and Corwin are all great at asking questions and talking to people and getting them to talk about themselves rather than our kids having to talk. And, and we watch those interactions and there's, hey, well, how'd that go? Oh, man, that was awesome. And they're, they're four other people because, again, we're, we're trying to um, model behavior for them that they can emulate in their families and things. Again, just want to pause right here and say, we are not the model. This is model parenting, but we are not the model. Farah and I are not the model. No person is the model. Farah and I are trying to model behavior that we have learned through scripture or whatever to say, these are things, follow us as we follow Jesus kind of things to our kids. Not that we are the model or we are, are the people that who are doing it right. That is not at all what we're trying to say with this podcast or even to our kids as we're trying to raise and grow them. Um, so I just I, I challenge you to, to take a look, turn around, look at your kids and think for a minute. Are there moments where they feel that invisibility? Where, um, and this is not meant to be a guilt trip. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Um a lot of the things you do are probably trying to encourage them in certain aspects, but can you see and feel in things that they feel or places or moments that they feel invisible, that they're supposed to be off to the side or out of the way? Um, just study those moments and start to see if that's something that you can adjust to where your kid doesn't start to wear that as a label and as a box of, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be away. I'm supposed to be outside of, I'm so, and, and, because kids can put themselves in boxes, too. Yes. It's not just parents that we we put them in a box. They start to label themselves, too. Um, your kids, I'm sure, have said, oh, I'm dumb. I just, I'm stupid. I can't figure that out. Um, and we do not. Uh, I, I've had several situations where Dax would be talking poorly about himself on the golf course. And 
I started saying the exact same things to him and he was offended. And I'm like, why do you get to say it? And I don't. And he's learned that lesson of, you know what, how I talk to myself and label myself is important. And I can't speak those negative things over my life any more than I want my dad saying it or my friend saying it or, um, and Cole is the same way. And they're, they're learning that, that what they label themselves as affects how they think and how they grow. Um, which is why we as parents have to pay attention to it. So um, on to just some of these study concepts. Fair's got, I think, a pretty good bit of content here. We're going to try to to move through it pretty quickly. Um, if you have questions or anything about it, you can absolutely uh, text us or um, email us and say, hey, t- tell me more about these resources, and Fair can share some of that. Um, but I'll let her get into some of those study concepts of how she does some of those things. Okay. So there's a lot. And you don't have to, you don't study a kid in one year or in a couple months and then all of a sudden know that kid. The things about the kids change. Um, some some things do and some things don't. Like their birth order, that's what what number they were born. <laughs> but there are, there are characteristics that go along with that. And we're going to put some extra resources in the show notes today just for specific things um, that are not really the like the main resource, but... Um, Kevin Lehman is a great resource for birth order development. I'm going to try to put a chart that I've put together that has a has play development, which that is really cool to look at. Um, social development, learning development, physical motor skill development, all like lined up together. Right, kind I'm gonna, of. I'm going to interrupt you. You're getting in a clinical, clinical mode, mode. Okay. and I think you're talking through things that people may not understand because you're saying birth order. Does birth order have any effect on your children? Yes. What kind of effects does it well, have on and your that's, children? That's the thing. Like, I'm not saying we're going into all We're of not it. going into all of, That's what I'm saying. The resource for that would be Kevin Lehman if you're interested. I understand, but why would we care about that? Because there are certain tendencies with oldest onlys. Um, they tend to, to nurture and take care of people and and try to take over um, second children um, have tendencies like a lot of times they can be mislabeled as an extrovert when really they're not an extrovert they're just the second and they've been comfortable with all the audience that they've had in their home and so they can look like they're extroverts when and when really and truly they might not be all right so their birth order shapes personality personality shapes behaviors yes all those type things yes get shaped out of birth order so if we understand birth order then we can better interpret some of the things our kids do yes and like for instance they found that if there's a five-year span between children then they're going to have some only child tendencies even though they might be a second or a third or or even a first like mm-hmm. if there's five years between them then they have more of a, some only only child tendencies if a child is like me and they've grown up in a house with you know um someone who is older than them either an older sibling or a grandparent or somebody that has a disability they take on the role like they take on some of the tendencies of the oldest child even though they're not so so birth order and an environment plays a plays a role in their their personality okay so just kind of giving them a little bit of the whys that they need to study right. some of these things okay. as we that go through. That makes sense. And if you can pull your microphone down just a touch, that would be great. Okay. Thanks. Perfect. Is that better? Perfect. Okay. Then development. Um, 
like I said, there's a lot of those. There's play development, there's social development, there's motor development, um, cognitive brain development, thinking development, all of those things. And those are usually those sheets that the pediatrician gives you at their their wellness hmm. <laughs> visit. And so it's great to just look over those every time you go to the pediatrician just to kind of get an idea of, of you know, what's next. But those are not by age. A lot of people try to put kids in boxes by those developmental stages by age. They're really more of an order, like this okay so they're doing this so the next thing they're going to do is whatever the sheet says like if Mm -hmm. you know um now developmental stages were huge for me as i started to understand some of those and you started to explain hey they can't do that yet right now part being is because as parents so we have two kids that are 20 months apart dax cole 20 months apart and dax and i created this little graph and and I wish I could give you a picture of it but you can't because we're talking not listening or showing you I actually was going to try to put it in the picture she's going to try and put a picture of it in the show notes Um, but it's essentially it's a maturity curve so Dak started to spike on the maturity curve he started to go up very quickly and so he was learning a lot of things very quickly through a particular development phase of his life but I started to hold Colton accountable to those same ideas because in my head they're very close together because they were developmentally very close together for a good season of time. But then Dak started to spike out of that and grow in development and Colton was still behind it. So his, his maturity curve was still lower than Dax's and I couldn't, I couldn't hold him accountable and responsible to know the things that Dax knew. So as a parent, a lot of times we get frustrated with the middles or the youngers or the seconds because we expect them to know things that we've already taught because we already taught it. We feel like they should know it. And I, it, it was huge for me to start to say, Oh, wait a minute. Fairwood explains, Hey, he can't do that yet. And here, you know, here's the developmental phase. And just he's because in. you teach it doesn't necessarily mean he can grasp it. If he's not at the developmental level, he it's can exactly do that. Right. So parents, I'm, I'm trying to give you a little bit of, of help here to say, no, you're not losing your mind. You have told them that before, but they can't grasp it because they're at a different place on a maturity curve than their older sibling. So give them some grace and let them. I was very gracious as Dax learned to those things. I was less gracious as Cole learned to those things until Farah started to teach me that this developmental. So as we were getting into an issue, I would ask Farah, like before we tried to discipline or correct our kids, I would ask Farah, hey, where are they in the development cycle? Are they able to comprehend this concept? And there were times that Farrah would say, mm, they can't do it, or this one can, this one can't. And I would, how I parented them adjusted so that I was trying to fit them, meet the need that they had in that development cycle. Yes. They got a, this one, this one is, is grounded in that and can, can run on ahead in that whatever task it is, but this one needs to borrow your brain a little right. bit longer. Now, Farrah is a genius, and she is extremely intelligent, um, and she studied all of this a lot through college and those kind of things, but a lot of this she studied after college. And I'm, I'm not saying that this shouldn't be something that you're like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. She is extremely intelligent, but I do know that this resource, I can understand it. Um, I do not have an advanced degree. I don't have this speech therapy background, I can understand the concepts that are presented in these resources that Farrah gives. So 
being able to I don't I don't want you to make the excuse oh, I just can't study I can't do books or whatever your child's worth it so I think trying to get into some of these is going to be helpful yes and the birth order is a book Kevin Lehman is a, bro- a book but the developmental stages is a chart you just look at the chart when you're dealing with this issue um, and another chart is fear development now I just learned about fear development a few years ago um, I don't even remember what Corwin was dealing with, but she's having nightmares. Well, she's having nightmares, um, but I don't remember like what the it was a particular thing, and I can't remember mm. what it was. Yeah, at this she was point, afraid but, of one specific thing. Yeah, but um, but there's a, a fear development chart, and I'm like literally I googled it, and and it makes so much sense. Now I didn't have that resource. I didn't know about that resource with the boys, and so they didn't get the benefit of me knowing about it. But fear development um, really helps you see how you think that they're over this thing or you've gotten past that thing or whatever. Um, I know sleeping through the night, sleeping in their room, that's a big thing um, that comes back in cycles. And a lot of times it's because they haven't really thought about the fact that the house could catch on fire. And so now... They're thinking, okay, the ho- this this concept has been introduced to me, so now I'm afraid again to be in my room and I want to be close to mom and dad. Or, um, you know, I've been great going over to somebody's house or I've been great, you know, that separation has been fine. One of the really cool things that I thought was on the, on the, the list when I read it was a fear of throwing up in front of people. Well, that doesn't happen until, like, between, I think, 12 and 15 because they haven't really had that experience before <laughs> but if they get sick at school then they have this fear of it you know that de- anyway the fear development chart is very interesting to me and i think that's huge because we don't as parents don't need to make their fears irrational right and 18 year old there's even a segment or section on that chart for 18 to 21 that i mm-hmm. have been considering and praying through um over our now adult and I say that with air quotes um, because he hasn't come in contact with any of these things yet so you know that it there they could possibly be there so yeah. but understanding what their fears are so as Corwin was dealing with a lot of her fears that um, we started a trend for a while and we did it for I don't know how long of uh, she and I would talk about and we would pre-program our dreams right. and we would say hey what do you want to dream about tonight and we would make the craziest, silliest, most ridiculous thing that we could. And she would focus on that as she went to sleep and she could go to sleep. If she could overcome that initial hurdle of being afraid in the moment or afraid in the dark or afraid of whatever was happening and think about whatever that crazy dream was for the 10 or 15 minutes it took for her to fall asleep, she could fall asleep and she would sleep through the night and it was fine. Um, so it, it, it wasn't something that we figured out and I'm like, oh, I'm a brain person. But it just worked, and Corwin was able to process and work through that fear cycle because we gave her something else to focus on and grow through, and she, we, we don't do it anymore. It, we haven't done it in, in months. We don't do it right now, but if a concept comes up, we could we'll do it again. We could do it again. We'll and, do it again. And, you know. Um, temperament is another one. And some people talk about the Enneagram. I like the temperament more. Um, it's 
is kind of is very similar. Um, but I like the I said this, you heard that resource by Kathleen Edelman about temperament. And she just and made it, a kid's version of that, right? Well, she you can't really make the kids version because they don't solidify until like they're older. But it's a, an adult's guide to to a kid's to a kid's temperament. Fair um, was actually so it helps you it helps you stay open and it keeps you from putting them in a box. Right, Fair was actually in the group of people who discussed this concept as I Kathleen mean, Edelman it was, was developing. Huge group of people. It was a but. huge group. There were forty fifty people in it, but Fair was still one of those people that kind of helped develop that idea and and make it useful for parents how they could focus on it with their children but um also studying their external influences i think we may have mentioned this before but just on a regular basis you know asking them what kind of music they're listening to asking them what friends you know what friend would you go to for advice right now Mm -hmm. um just those kind of things just seeing who is oh and and which coach or which teacher would you go to first for help with something um, just to know who has the the most influence on them at that time now I will also say what YouTube channels are they watching mm. who what Instagram influencers mm-hmm. are they following or Twitter accounts our kids is, our boys particularly when they were coming through that 12 14 14 13 14 15 age they did not have social medias they have just like my 18 year old. Um, I think Dax was 17. 17, He got Instagram and started doing some Instagram stuff. Um, and Colton has also gotten it because of some of the, a lot of the college recruiting things that they're engaged in Instagram and Twitter were a part of that cycle of how you communicate with college coaches. So, um, begrudgingly, we, we did not want to, but if you're not checking into your kids, social media accounts and looking at those on a regular basis, not because you don't trust them, but because you don't trust the world. And I ask you the question, if you're not looking at it, who in the world would you give unrestricted access to your child to? Who? who? What person, what adult, what teenager would you say, all right, you have unfiltered, unrestricted access to my kid. No time limits. No time limits. You can do it any hours of the night, all hours of the day, as much as you want to. Who's that person? And you're probably going to have a list of nobody. <laughs> but that's exactly what they have with these social media accounts, is you, it, the, the TikToks and all that thing. People have unrestricted access to your child at all times, at any moment. It's more than television because used to you would have times, okay, it's after school, but now it's all day, every day. The entire world that they have connected is unfiltered access by you. You need to be that filter um, and walk through those things. And, and we have done that with our kids and explained to them that these these certain areas aren't safe and we don't need to be communicating with people we can't see. And people who are putting questionable content out there were like, hey, that's not the areas that we're going to hang out in. And it's a battle, but it's a battle that I think you need to fight to protect your kids because your kids just developmentally, they don't know better. Their, their trust that that person sitting behind that keyboard is who they say they are. And a lot of times they're not. So just be mindful of those influences from Even teenagers areas. are still operating in a very concrete mindset and they struggle with the abstract of it, of it not being what it seems to be. 
right. and they can't yeah so and that's the developmental function that's if you're studying function. developmental cycles you're going to start to understand some of what they can and can't do we just assume that they can because they function very the, the technology they use it better than i do exactly i screwed up on dax's instagram account the other day i'm not gonna tell you how <laughs> yeah, but let's don't i liked <laughs> i liked something i wasn't supposed to like because i didn't know how instagram worked but they function with the software very well but they don't understand the ideas behind it and the the dangers that could come from it yes okay so um influences that's where we were what gives them energy and what drains them and the best one of the best places to study this is in their chores like what chore do they absolutely hate that's probably one that drains them what um, I mean they don't love to do any chores really but but there are some chores that you can find that they really like and then um, that is also in some of these other things like that is also included in temperament and that's also included in strengths um, but but that's one that what what drains you and what gives you energy is just an, an easy thing to ask them. Um, collective traumas. We've just all come through a collective trauma with COVID and being sheltered and all that kind of stuff. That is a trauma that happens to a large portion of the population. And that can can really affect um, that. I have a creepy notebook on my parents <laughs> and my in-laws and um, some of their collective traumas were. Um, dealing with the polio vaccine and like Vietnam and and you know different but also 911 is a collective trauma 911 is the a challenge exploding is a collective trauma yes all those kind of things those type of events are collective traumas. those things are collective traumas and that will have an influence on the person so you need to know what collective traumas they have lived through um, their perspective on achievement um, if they are perfectionists or not um, this was one of those places that I messed up um, with one of ours. He got in the car one day and was super excited. He had just started getting grades, like number grades. And he got in and he was like, I got a 97 on something or another. And I was like, buddy, that's amazing. There I go, putting it in a box, putting it in my box, what I thought it was. And he didn't want a 97. He wanted a 100. And he was devastated because of that 97. And um so I began to change how I responded to him telling me his grades um, because that mattered to him. Um, so my question became, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, their favorites, their favorites change all the time. And this is one of the places that I think um, I have seen a lot of parents in the clinic struggle with because they would bring something thinking that it was their kid's favorite that used to be their favorite it used to be their favorite color it used to be their favorite food or it used to be whatever and they would get there and it was not their favorite um and and parents would take that personally that the kid was acting out and developmentally their favorites change right i think our kids have had about 18 different um color favorites and this is one of the places that I try to connect with my little nieces their favorite animal it changes though on a regular basis but I try to I try to ask them what's your favorite animal now and I try to remember is your favorite animal still blank whatever it is the next time I see them um then love languages um words of affirmation and service and um physical touch all of those things um that is another thing that you can study there that's gary chapman yes who wrote a book 
five love languages? Their learning style. Are they auditory learners? Are they visual learners? Are they kinesthetic learners? Do they need to move to learn? Um, and sometimes you think they're not learners at all, and they will never learn anything. <laughs> but. but, right. This was one of the ones that um, that was crucial for one of our kids um, because the, the environment and the learning environment was geared more toward a style that was just not theirs. And so we had to find a, a, different, a different place that had more of, of their learning style. Um, and then Strengths Finder is, um, you know, finding their strengths at church. I know they have these little classes a lot of times at different churches um, that try to help them find their strengths or um, I think some of them call them their spiritual gifts. And then we already mentioned their own labels, like what are they putting on themselves? But I do want to take just a second. I know that was a, a long list of options of things that you can study. Um, and I want to talk just a minute about as the parent team, a lot of times there's one person that loves to collect the information and then there's usually a, a person that takes that information and is a strategist with that information. Um, so you y'all both... Can, y'all can guess which one's which <laughs> in our relationship. We're not going to tell you. <laughs> but y'all can guess who collects the data and who processes the data and creates strategy. Yes. So, so shoot us an um, email or a text and tell us who you think is who. <laughs> and if you, in your family, neither one of you are really big on the the collecting you can take turns with the part that you don't you know really want to do and and you know you can read the book and and try to study and get the information the biggest warning that i want to make um and the activity today is going to really strengthen i think in this area this is something that i did clinically with with families when i had both the mom and the dad or or multiple caregivers because they always had a different perspective on the kid. Um, Don't get bogged down in one area. Um, Don't get bogged down. Don't just look at the love languages and be like, well, I've got their love languages down, and so I know everything about this kid. This is where I want you to think about the building concept. There is a date in the activity for, um, you can do it as a, a spouse team, Um, But you can also do it as a parent and a teenager. Um, But you go to a building, and I want you to think about the four sides of a building. So if you go back through that list of stuff, I'm going to have it in the show notes, of all those things, pick at least four different ones to get a bigger picture of your kids. So know their temperament and their um, perspective on achievement and um, their love language and their development or you know just just have a multi a multifaceted view god is multifaceted and we are made in his image and if we get bogged down in just one of the things then we're only going to be seeing one one side of our kid um and we're going to miss out on knowing a lot of things about them and i think that opens up that door for them to start to feel invisible because and they say my parents don't understand me or my parents don't know who i am and that relational connection gets lost because we don't put in that time to understand other facets and aspects of our kids. Yes. Um, one of the easiest ways to, to study them, too, is to ask them how they want to celebrate their birthday or an achievement. Um, 
if if you don't have anything else, like uh, I'm no. ready to do the activity. You can go on the activity. Straight, okay, so the activity, activity is going to be um, there's a link in the show notes for um, a perspective activity where you put something between you and like I said, it's it's going to be a building for the date version of it, but um, you can put something between you and your child and there's a list of questions and it needs to be like like a four-sided object like a stuffed animal or something like that um and you can only answer the questions based on what you can see from your side of the object and you can see how problems and conflicts um can really be softened if we take each other's perspective into account perspectives are not right or wrong perspectives are always missing information but they always have information that can be shared so that's our playtime activity our, our, our relational activity and then our resource is voices in the park is another children's book by anthony brown and there is a read aloud youtube link in the show notes too um for that to just give an illustration of perspective and how studying people's perspectives can draw them closer okay so this episode went a little long too. It's been around forty five minutes. We're trying. Are you serious? It is. I'm gonna have to cut some out. But um, anyway, that's that's the goal. Kids don't go in boxes. Um, don't try to label your kids and make them one thing or zero in on one facet of who they are. Um, study your kids. Learn about them. Take time. And um, in college, the goal was to get out and be done. Get my degree and be finished. Um, Fair and I's perspective on our kids and studying our kids. We're never done. We're always studying. We're always learning. We're always learning something new. And I will say, as I study them and as I study people, I begin to to study myself. And then I become more willing to be known and and that vulnerability, you know, to say, well, oh, I learned this about myself. What did you learn about yourself? So this is a long haul. This is the long game that you're playing with your kids. You will study them and you'll study your grandkids and you'll study your great grandkids. However, however long God lets us tarry in life. Um, the goal is to just study, to be, to know these people that, that God has connected us to. And, um, and they're so. going to change. They're not going to always be who they were in this particular six months. All right. So, but it's a blast. Fair and I love doing it. We love talking about it and strategizing how to love our kids better. So, um, hopefully that helps. Hopefully you guys can start to see maybe some areas that you can, um, identify with and connect with and study study your kids. So um, we will uh, catch you on the next episode. If you got questions, feel free to email us at modelparentingpodcast.gmail.com. Um, choose the text. Let us know you're listening. And if you got questions or, or stuff you want to hear more of or less of. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one.